Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. Woo, flying right along. Episode 48. Amen. We're going to get into Genesis 2.24 today, the new order for the family. Uh, it's a great, great chap, uh, verse here in chapter 2. Uh, but it's just good to have you here. If you are new to the program, uh, make sure you check out uh, kjvcafe.com. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, we also have a weekend edition, which is a great podcast that comes on Friday and Saturday, uh, every Friday and Saturday. And that's a 30 minute episode. Amen. So that's another good one. And again, as I've mentioned recently, we've got other good stuff in the works that the Lord's been keeping me busy with. So please stay tuned. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are just covering the latter part of Genesis two, and we are, um, on Genesis 24, but the bring it up one peg and just kind of put a bow on yesterday. We were talking about how God created um, all these animals. He brought them to Adam. He allowed his creation, Adam, to name all of them. There was no companion found for him. So God puts Adam in a deep sleep and gives, uh, takes his rib and makes a woman out of his rib, who's called Eve. And then Adam and Eve are now here. And isn't that great? And everything is good. And that's the picture that God would have us for uh, the beginning of a family and marriage and so forth. And all of this is predicated upon obedience. You know, Adam was obedient to God and God blessed him. And when we look at our lives and we think about obedience, oftentimes that's something we all struggle with. We don't, a lot of people don't even want to think about obedience, do they? They just, uh, goodness, you know, what that would mean to sacrifice control, to give up their schedule, their wants and their needs and so forth. It's very difficult. And yet God calls us to be obedient and God calls us to do sometimes the difficult things, sometimes things that we don't want to do. God calls us to do it. And we need to pray every day that we're obedient to him. And oftentimes, not always, uh, but oftentimes when we're called to be obedient, it's um, it takes humility and meekness because often we're being asked to do something that maybe we don't want to do. Maybe we think we're above, maybe we had different plans. And, and so all of those things require these Christ-like traits of meekness, which means strength under control and humility, which is the idea of putting others before yourself. Amen. And not looking at yourself greater than you should. And, and really honing in on those things. And you say, Brother Clark, that's hard for me. That's really difficult. And I think it's hard for most people. Um, it's certainly been hard for me over the years, for sure. And the way that we thrive in that environment is through prayer. Amen. Through prayer. Bible study and prayer. Bible study and prayer. That's what's going to get you to the point where you feel comfortable enough and in love enough and fellowship enough with God Almighty to say, yes, Lord, Thy will, not mine. It's all through the power of prayer, because then through the Holy Spirit, he'll work a right spirit in you to be able to do what he pleases, even if it wasn't on your to-do list. Amen? All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to look at this idea 
of the man and the woman are now together. And the Bible says something very controversial. It says, leave your parents and cleave to each other. We're going to get to that as soon as we get back. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, welcome back from the break. So here we are looking at this great verse here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the second to last verse in Genesis chapter 2. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This verse makes me think of Abraham when God called Abraham to leave his family, to go to Canaan land, the promised land, just him and Sarah. And his family, as I understand it, were in the Babylon area. They were pagan. They were worshiping false gods, you know, because that's what they did in Babylon. And so when Abraham was called to go, Abram back then, when he was called to go, hey, that was a, was a big calling, you know, because like, you know, um, a lot of families don't do that. They don't leave mom and dad. Uh, trust me, I know. I'm married to a woman from Asia and the Asian family, they stay together. I mean, they really stay together. And there's a lot of benefits that can come with that. And there may be a time for that, like a medical need and so forth. But generally speaking, no matter where you're from, the Bible's saying, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. We are to be interested, um, prioritizing our spouse over what our family's saying, right? And there's so many in-law jokes out there that I'll spare you. But why are there so many in-law jokes out there? Because oftentimes the in-laws can meddle, can't they? They, they, they say things they shouldn't or act ways they shouldn't. And in-laws and, and all the rest, uh, it's difficult. And typically, you know, I've heard preachers talk about, like, get very granular about like the mother-in-law of the husband often is like a, the bad actor or something. I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers. I have no idea. Here's what I know, that parents have one way of doing things, right? And the children, as they grow old, they're called to make their own decision. They can't just follow the parents, whether the parents are right or wrong. Uh, but certainly if they're wrong, don't follow them. But even if they're right, you kind of have to go out on your own. And so we see here that in the biblical order, you know, when a couple is married, the husband is the head of the house. We've seen that. And the wife is following the husband and those two are cleaving to each other. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Amen. And so we see here this idea of a new family being born out of this marriage and whatever was going on with the old family, that, that kind of has to take a back seat, which I know can be very challenging because there's some very close families. Our family, our three kids, we're very close and it's going to be difficult as they get older and they get married, but th this is a biblical mandate. They are to lead their own household. Amen. Uh, we've had people get married in church that, um, you know, the husband is then now going to have to go ahead and lead the household, right? And I mean, young people, so they were kids. And now that when they're older, they're no longer kids. And there's this new expectation upon them that God has put there. And we see uh, that biblically, I'm very thankful for this because personally, I've, there's been situations 
uh, with my family and stuff where I had to think about that and weigh in balance. And I realized, hey, you know what? I, I My priority is my wife. My priority uh, is my individual family and what God's called me to do. Amen. And I don't think I'm out of the ordinary. I think it happens all the time. But God saves us in the way of marriage as well. And so we see this picture of marriage in Genesis 2, 24. And we also see it throughout the Bible in the way that God saves us. You know, we see in Isaiah 61, uh, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Isaiah 61. I'm in Isaiah right now in my morning study. And wow, it's a very powerful chapter of scripture. And here we have in Isaiah 61 that, you know what? God's salvation is like a new, it's like a wedding. It's like a new birth. Amen. It is a new birth. We see in Matthew 9, Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. Matthew 9, verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. So, of course, Jesus being criticized, you know, why are your, uh, you know, uh, disciples, your apostles, why are they doing these things on these days uh, that they're not supposed to, or why are they happy, or whatever it is? And Jesus is like, why would you make them mourn? I'm with them right now. I am the bridegroom. Now, if he is the bridegroom, that would be in modern day vernacular, the groom, okay? Then who's the bride? Those that are his, amen, the saved, the born again. We are considered, we are called the bride of Christ. We are not just the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Heaven is often looked at as, as almost like a never-ending honeymoon. It's got this bridal comparison to it, this marriage comparison to it. John the Baptist, I love this verse, John 3, verse 29. Uh, John the Baptist calls Jesus the bridegroom. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And so they were asking John the Baptist, you know, hey, are you are you it? Are you Jesus? And he's saying, no, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. So again, referred to as the bridegroom. And he is loving the fact that the bridegroom was there, just like Jesus was saying. How can you mourn? Amen. The bridegroom is here. I have small group of friends, I would say. Um when they get married, I'm super excited. Whether I'm the best man or not, I'm thrilled for them. Yes, there may be a little tear bubbling up in my eyes. I love it. I love everything about it. You know, again, don't get me started on weddings, okay? But if the wedding is like, you know, biblical, okay, then I'm very excited, right? Because they're doing things in order, not because we have to, but because we love the Lord and we want to. But hey, you know, you have a good wedding, everything's in order, and I'm so excited for them. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm a friend of the bridegroom, but I'm thrilled for them. I'm so happy for them. I'm blessed to see them uh, taking that step in their life, amen? And it is a special thing, Right? Heaven is referred to as a bride, Revelation 21, 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Oh, man. Well, hey, that sounds really nice. You know, think about, talk about tearing up. How about when they play that music and the bride comes in her dress and all her ornaments and all her beauty, she comes down that aisle and everybody is just blown away, especially the parents and the loved ones and so forth for how she looks. And man, can you imagine the groom, how excited he is? Amen. That this time has come, you know, 
it's a very special moment. I don't remember too much of our little wedding. We got married in a little church uh, some many years ago, and I don't remember too much, but I remember being up there trying to keep my composure. Uh, as many, many grooms will tell you, it's difficult. Amen. And that is a picture of what heaven looks like when it's coming down to earth. And I personally cannot wait. Amen. Because think about all the things that are difficult and wrong in life are going to be made right. And all of this talk of brides starts here in Genesis 2. Right here, Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is talking about brides. Amen. And by the way, I could do a whole other episode on being one flesh, but we've talked about this before. Think about that. One flesh means that she is you and you are her. I don't know if I grammatically said that correct, but if somebody like, if someone hurts my wife, they're hurting me. If someone says something bad about my wife, they're saying something bad about me. If someone disrespects my wife, they're disrespecting me. If someone steals from my wife, they're stealing from me. Now put yourself in the shoes of the person that did that. If you hurt your wife, you're hurting yourself. If you steal from your wife, you're stealing from yourself. You know, if you hurt your husband, you're hurting yourself. If you uh, lie to your husband, you're lying to yourself. That's what the Bible says about being one flesh. I take it very literal. And I've told our kids, all three of them, don't be mean to mom because you're being mean to dad and you're going to disrespect mom. You're disrespecting dad because we're one flesh. And it, it should be taken that way. In an era where marriage and all these things are looked at very casually, almost disposable, almost uh, uh, not a big deal, certainly not as one flesh, right? Every man for himself type of attitude in this world today, we need to get back to the old time way and understand that God made marriage in a very serious fashion to make us one flesh. And I will tell you literally, like if I see my wife upset, I you know, if her stomach is turning, literally my stomach will turn. So I really believe that in all regards, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to describe, but it's how God made it and it should make us rejoice if, if we've got, uh, you know, a, a good marriage. It should make us as young people be very serious and very chaste, not giving ourselves away, not being floozy, but get, being very serious about marriage and making sure that we're not um, unequally yoked. Because how can you, you know, ascribe all these biblical values to an unequally yoked relationship, no matter how well two people get along? So it's very important that we're equally yoked. We love the Lord. We're saved. We get counseling before we get married to make sure we're 1,000% compatible. We save ourselves for marriage. And then once we're in that marriage bond, it is the greatest relationship here on earth until the Lord comes back, which, by the way, looks like a marriage and is eternal and everlasting and even more wonderful. Awesome, awesome stuff. Tune in next time as we get to the last verse of Genesis 2. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.